As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, January 27th. It is the final day of Pitcher Week, which means it is our 2023 Relief Pitcher Preview. We're going to focus very heavily on this episode on saves in particular. I know there are formats out there that combine saves and holds or count holds as their own category. Those will be discussed in greater detail in the future. We may have a few flyby recommendations for players who fit well in that format, but we are very saves focused today. And as we've done throughout the series, we're going to break things down by ADP tiers. We do have a few early, early closers. And Eno, you have actually selected one, or at least the computer drafting at the time that the clock ran out selected one for you. So a little more has happened in that particular league since we last spoke. Edwin Diaz, of course, is that mystery player with an ADP inside the top 30. Pretty consistently, someone going inside the first two rounds of a 15-team league draft. Emmanuel Classe, Josh Hader, also part of this group if we stretch down to the top 50 the circle overall. Of trust. Apparently the inner circle of trust, right? And I I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to guess it's Hader. I have Hader out. Yeah. You know, I have uh, my top tier is Diaz, Classe, Helsley, Romano, Bautista, and Presley. And the hardest decision for me was between Presley and Hayter. Was the line after them or before them? Um, and I, I could actually make the case to put the line ahead of Presley. And we can talk about him in a second. But right now we should be talking about Hayter because he's in the top three. And he has the absolute, I think, bottom five, it was, uh, of uh, Location Plus last year. And I know location isn't sticky year to year, and he could have better command next year. But it is the biggest wart in this top, uh, this top piece. Also, um, it you know su- maybe surprisingly, um, uh, it's he doesn't have the same fastball stuff as other people. So there's a little bit of droppage in his fastball stuff along with his location. So where you've got in and. I'm sorry if this is a little bit of the stuff plus, you know, uh, model heavy one, but the model does predict relievers better than projections. 
Um, so in relievers in particular, it's fairly strong. And stuff is really sticky year to year. So Edwin Diaz, 140 stuff plus. Emmanuel Classe, 155. Ryan Helsley, 145. Jordan Romano, 131. Felix Bautista, 142. Ryan Plessley, 142. Josh Hader, 117. It's just... And then you add in the really bad command. I just, I'm not sure he's an elite guy anymore. I know he's projected for 13 Ks per nine. Uh, he's got one of the, he's got one of the top three projections, but I don't have him in my top three. I think we saw a little bit of the beginning of the end there. Yeah, it's interesting. The projections and both, uh, well, and the market both seem to have this, this vision that hater because he was good down the stretch, kind of fixed it at the end of the regular season, pitched well in the postseason. Because of that, the struggles last year almost never happened. If you didn't see the middle of the season, if you weren't aware of it, you didn't have him on your roster, you weren't watching the Brewers and Padres right before after that trade. (laughs) Yeah, they temporarily just kept him out of those situations. And it's almost like it never happened based on where he's being drafted so that's the hard part for me. It's Kimbrell Kimbrel had these moments in the middle of his career, right? Am I right? Yeah, he's had them at times. I mean, the at the other end, Edwin Diaz, the first closer off the board, had a disappointing season in I believe it was twenty nineteen. Remember the yes, right. twenty nineteen, fifty eight innings, first year with the Mets, right? Five fifty nine ERA, one thirty eight location whip. problem, right? Was that the bad walk right that year? It was a really bad home run rate, a 2.33 homers per nine that year. Just off the charts bad. He's been well below here, one I, every I had year some since. selective memory. Uh, unless you're talking about the second year with uh, the first year with Boston, uh, where he had a 340 ERA and 31 saves and a five walks per nine for Kimbrell. That could be what we're talking about. It's 2016. In 2016, he's 28 years old. Um, that was Kimbrell. He, but Josh Hader. Uh, was 28 years old last year and did have a, a, a home run rate spike and a little bit of a walk spike, but he had a 5.22 ERA. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much stock to put in that. It's all small samples. When you're talking about relievers. Craig Kimbrell did turn it around and had two more really good seasons with Boston, a 143 ERA and then a 2.74 ERA. Kimbrell had uh, and 77 saves in the next two years. So he did turn it around. However, it was the harbinger of doom, right? It it did show us the cracks in the foundation. So 2016, when Craig Kimbrell was 28, we saw how it was going to get bad. And it has gotten worse since, you know? Um, and he's been much more uh, of, uh, you know, he's a, he's a bottom tier guy for me this year. So... Um, you know, so I, I I think that's just enough to keep Hater out of the top. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm not going to put Hater in the bottom. I'm not saying you know he's toast, but like uh, it's enough question mark and just in the model, not a good enough numbers to to hang out with those other guys. So uh, he's in the next tier for me. I think it totally makes sense to downgrade him relative to his ADP, which means if he falls, there's a chance you get him because he's right around your line of where your circle of trust ends. You're drafting with a lot of Padres fans. <laughs> well, the bigger the bigger question with the elite closers is, is it worth it? Do you get enough security? Do you get enough value back? Do you save by not having to throw in-season resources like precious fab dollars at closers because you spent more on your first one in particular? I mean, what is the ideal strategy for you 
this year since the board is playing much like last year, where the elite closers can go as early as round two, and most of the top eight, top nine, top ten closers are going to be gone within the first 100 picks, right? We're going to get to tier two in just a second. So do you shop at the very top, having done it once with Edwin Diaz? Will there be more Eno teams with Edwin Diaz or Emmanuel Classe? Or do you feel like it's too steep a price relative to the other players at other positions that you can get in the round two, round three range? I'm trying to find some uh, some 2022 rankings going into the season for closers. I've got something here. 12 months ago, uh, elite relief pitcher rankings. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm not picking on Rotoballer. It's just what came up first in Google. Um, and uh, they've got their rankings. I just want to kind of just go through and be like, okay, here are the elite guys going into last season, right? They've got Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Rysel Iglesias, Aroldis Chapman, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Classe is the top six. That's a, that was pretty consensus for the play. They might have been in different orders, but that was, yeah, that was reasonable. And I've got a six, I've got a six person uh, top tier too. Okay. So I, uh, I feel like you, the, the argument is, uh, the argument against all closers is, uh, only 30% of them keep their jobs throughout the season. 30%. From start to finish. Only 30% of the closes you're drafting. So one of the three closes you're drafting is going to make it to the end of the close, to the end of the season. Um, so you, the argument would be, well, the elite guys aren't like that. Well, let's see. Uh, it's only one year. It's uh, not the most amazing uh, uh, sample size, but I'm sure there's better studies that Google didn't provide me right quickly. Um, but Hater. Finished the job as a closer, but was not elite. That's an interesting solution. That's an interesting outcome. I'd give him the green check mark as far as keeping the job all year, even though there's the there'd be an asterisk. Lost it temporarily, but it was. It seemed pretty clear that when the Padres traded for him, he was still going to be the closer so long as he was pitching well. It wasn't ah, he's just a seventh inning guy now, right? The the job right. security entering the season was high, and I think. Even with that wobble, it still counts. Okay, it counts. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Liam Hendricks, uh, elite. Yep, really for season. Rysel Iglesias lost his job. He got traded. He right, uh, yeah, but he lost his job. He gave you, he gave you a, an okay closer's return. I would say he gave you like closer two type return. He gave you two thirds of a season, right? I mean, that's that's or two thirds of a closer one. Yeah, yeah, because once he got traded to Atlanta, it was pretty much done for him but it wasn't because the skills weren't good it's because the situation changed world as chapman was awful terrible just awful a um, little bit of a case here t- to watch age maybe uh relievers do fall off uh quickly and badly uh edwin diaz was great and emmanuel classe was great so i think your percentages are better here and so I do think it is good to get one. I just think that with the fact that there still was a turd and maybe a half, you know, where you like the Iglesias thing, it's not great if you spend, a, you know, an elite number on him. You know what I mean? Like if he was your your biggest uh, guy in a draft and hold, you would you'd hope for more like 30 or 40 saves, not like 20 or whatever you got. You know, how many you get? You're bummed. At, but the thing is, how many did you get? Well, he had a month where he didn't get any before he got traded. So, so probably more like 18 or something. It's a good question. How many did he have? He had... Okay, answer right is now. 17. 17. Yeah. That is not a closer one. No. Well, no. no it, it's it, like a closer two. You could have gotten that off the wire. 
I can't recall. Maybe my memory is terrible, though. I can't recall other guys that were flirting with being a top five closer getting traded and not having the role after they got traded. It seems unusual for a reliever that good to end up in a bullpen where someone else is their preferred options to close games. Yeah, that that was a little unusual. However, uh, you know, the life of a closer is crazy. So I would say I would say you got a two thirds, uh, two thirds score on these six, right? Yep. Two thirds uh, return on your investment. I wonder, uh, I wonder, maybe, maybe I overestimate, uh, you know, top three rounds uh, investments, but I would have to say that I would, I would be hoping for more than a two thirds in return on the hitters I'm taking in the first three rounds. It's probably at least three quarters. Don't you think? I mean, I'd like to see some more research on this. I, I don't want to be speaking out of my ass. There are definitely some busts in the top three rounds, but I think the hitters are safer. And so my my way of doing this is I do want one of the safer relievers. Uh, there is not really a great indication that um, place in the first tier matters that much, right? Um, you know, Diaz and Clase had some of the best uh, seasons, and they were, you know, in this list, at least five and six. So uh, my idea is get one out of the top six. Yeah, I and had to, had I did like I did auto draft that Diaz in the second, you know, uh, and it and it was in a draft and hold, and it did free me up. Uh, but it did it would do weird things to me. Like I didn't take another closer till Evan Phillips because I was like, you know, I took Diaz in the second. What what more do you want out of me? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I might still actually be light on saves, although I'm I'm gonna you know I think the model produced some some guys, and I'm hoping to have two closers by the end of the year. And if I have two closers, I'm probably going to be in the top third of the of saves in my league. And that's that's what I'm looking for. It's pretty tough to do saves in draft and hold. Anyway, I want one of the top ones. I don't necessarily think I'm going to get Diaz or Classe. So the guys I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get are Romano, Helsley, and Bautista. But what about Ryan Presley? Yeah, so, okay, a couple things here. So Ryan Presley, for me, was kind of borderline for the, the top tier last year. He was easily in the circle of trust. He had the knee injury, lost some velocity, still did enough to right the ship, keep the job, and then in the postseason, started throwing some change-ups. Remember that? That was cool. That was filthy because guys weren't ready for it, and it was actually it looked like a really good pitch, too. I don't know how the, the model graded it, but I I looked at it. I was like, yeah, that is a good change-up, and that takes some of the pressure off his fastball, and now he's got that extra thing that maybe can keep him in this high level for a long time. Now, I think you... You kind of hinted at this before. 163 Age, stuff plus change up. <laughs> 163? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked it looked sick. So yeah. an off-season of health enables him to maybe have a knee that feels a lot better going That's into the true. season. Maybe the velo doesn't go all the way back, but comes back a little. But he's got other stuff. It's not just the fastball for Ryan Presley. So I, he's still in that circle of trust for me, even though I think you're warning about the closers and aging is absolutely appropriate. I'm I'm a little more worried about Kenley Jansen than I am about Ryan Presley. I'm a little more worried even about Rysel Iglesias than I am about Ryan Presley. Well, okay. Uh, so there's this uh, research that was done by Bill Petty on the aging of pitchers. I've referenced a lot on this on this show and in the it's Bill Petty P E T P E T T I on Fangraphs. So you can just look for aging curves for pitchers, starters, and relievers. And what you see with starters is their fastball velocity goes down and their strikeout rate goes down 
But for relievers, when fastball velocity rate, fastball velocity goes down, strikeout rate really goes down. So their strikeout rate is tied more to their velocity, uh, their fastball velocity over time. That makes sense. They have fewer pitches. So Presley having more pitches is part of the discussion. It is important. However, uh, I think fastball velocity and now stuff plus is something that's really important. I have that category open when I was doing my rankings. And Ryan Helsley fastball stuff plus 149.6. It's one of the top five in baseball. Uh, it might be the, the top one, actually, because... Uh, no, no, because I know that Felix Bautista's is great. Uh, right here, it looks weird because the Felix Bautista's 140 stuff plus. Maybe this is the new model. Any case, Rodon Romano, 135 stuff plus on the fastball. Boom, 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 right? These are these are excellent, excellent top-of-the-league fastballs. Ryan Presley fastball, 112. It's the lowest uh, fastball stuff in the in the top six. So that's just that's that's where I was struggling a little bit. You generally see uh, the overall stuff plus and the fastball stuff plus go down as you go down in the rankings, and his would also be the second lowest in the next year. Cons- depending on what you define Kenley Jansen's fastball as, yeah, yeah, he's it's tricky for him. Uh, it's <laughs> It's tricky to the cutter or you call it the sinker. (laughs) Well, and he went to driveline two off seasons ago now and and kind of came back a little better. He has a a larger arsenal. I'm okay with putting uh, Kenley Jensen in the next tier, but um, there's uh, there's something about Ryan Presley that makes me nervous. And so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a like it's a ranking where I, I'm like, OK, I'm putting him in the top six. But I bet you as I means test, it's more of a top five for me. And I'm trying I'm, I will I will jump Felix Bautista to get Ryan Presley. Fair enough. I am not as worried uh, to, get, to not get Ryan Presley. I'm not worried about Ryan Presley. OK, and, uh, on the record, on the record. So I, <laughs> of your three older closers that go in this ADP range, Presley, Iglesias and Jansen. I think the market is right to have Presley going the earliest. I like him the most as well. I think Iglesias is absolutely fine. I do think in terms of stuff, when you look at the stuff model, he's the worst of the top 10 closers, even lower than Jansen. The worst fastball stuff plus in my top 20. But he's always been a three-pitch closer. So it's true. He's a little different in that regard. Yeah. And good command. Actually, I think the best command of the closers. Right, so it softens that just a little bit. But I think if you want pure filth, I mean, Felix Bautista, he's the guy that if you said who of of the guys that are not in the top three right now, ADP-wise, who could be in that top three next year? It's Felix Bautista. I think it's Bautista over Devin Williams because Devin Williams has a little bit of a walks problem. 12.5% yeah. walk rate last year helps offset it because the K rate is gross. 40% is second best among all the guys we've talked about behind only Edwin Diaz last year, but you could see it with Devin Williams. There's times when that changeup, the airbender, isn't finding the zone, and hitters can kind of tee off a little bit on the fastball. He's a little more even with that fastball changeup mix, and I think that that presents occasional problems for him. Sometimes I wonder too if hitters can spot that changeup. It's a, it's he. What he does is it's almost a screwball, right? Where he really turns over, over, over pronates, yeah. Yeah, he really turns it over. I also think that's going to lead to a lot of injuries. Uh, most people who've thrown that type of changeup have had lots of injuries, and Devin Williams has had lots of injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, I don't I don't mean to skip ahead to the sleepers part, but therefore I have Williams in the second tier uh, pretty easily. I I have him as the eighth closer behind Hader, so I still like him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think against ADP, I may not get a lot of him. Um, and uh, I think Matt Bush is a decent sleeper. He has really good numbers in the model, and I don't know. I just think it's not that I think Williams is going to lose the job due to uh, play, but I think he could be injured this year. Yeah, I, I think there might even be some other sleepers in that bullpen that are, are worth considering behind Bush that are the better cousins? long-term cousins no. and Peter Strzelecki. Whoa. Real digging, real, real Brewers deep. fan over here. Oh, speaking of Brewers fans and future Brewers fans, <laughs> I stopped by I stopped by the uh, the office and I've got a new office chair. Uh, got some goodies for the kids, some PS4 games. It was weird. Uh, the, we were closing on the office. It has nothing to do with the health, the athletic. It just has to do with uh, no one works in an office anymore, right. at yes. least out here. <laughs> and so I picked something up for you and the baby. Hey, all right. Thank you. There we go. A little future <laughs> subscriber, the athletic onesie. That's awesome. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what I got for you. Great poll. Yeah. So Peter... Peter, who? Strizz Lucky. Lucky. Nice. Lucky. All right. There are deep pulls early in the early in the in the in the closer podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Got to get them out early. So the ADP Tier 2, just everybody listening, if you're not watching on YouTube, understands who we're talking about. It starts with Jordan Romano, includes Devin Williams and Ryan Presley and Rysel Iglesias. Felix Bautista, for now, fifth in this group by ADP. I don't think that lasts. I think he's going to move ahead of a few of these guys. I've got him fifth overall. Ryan Helsley, Kenley Jansen round out the group. Helsley is the other guy who's just filthy. Uh, are we at the point now where, based on how they really kind of moved away from Gallegos as the primary closer and let Helsley be that guy, is, is it really just his job now? Is Because I think the only thing that keeps him near the back of this group is the little kernel of doubt that he has the job completely to himself by skills. I don't think there's any real nit to pick with Ryan Helsley. I think they've been going away from Gallegos for a while. You know, I think Gallegos is just a fill-in guy for them. You know, he's he's good. 
And it's like a little bit like the Matt Bush situation. Where they, yeah, they have two really good guys at the back end. And so if Helsley gets hurt, yeah. But I don't see as much of a... I mean, he was hurt a little bit last year. Helsley, he missed a little bit of time. Gallegos ended up with a, a handful of saves. Maybe even more than a handful. He was he was not... Like, if you drafted him in a, a really deep league, yeah, it was 14 saves, oh, actually. Oh, Helsley had that right middle finger injury that hurt him in the playoffs. And he had to have an MRI on it. That's right. I, that doesn't seem... That's not... That doesn't worry me. Yeah, I got Helsley uh, third overall. Like, I'm I'm, I'm in the tank. Uh, although, I will say that Helsley Romano Bautista, to me, is almost a tie for third. I don't really know how to separate them. I think they're all just really excellent young closers. And I don't really see any... Uh, I don't see anybody taking their jobs. So, you know, that's that's where I want to shop. And what I'm saying now is that the one problem with taking Diaz in the second is uh, I could have taken Paul Goldschmidt there. I ended up with Reese Hoskins as my first baseman. Could have taken Paul, Paul Goldschmidt in the second and uh, could have gotten Felix Bautista by this ADP. I could have gotten him not where I got Hoskins. That would be no. pretty aggressive. But So there would be some cascading effects. My, my whole team would have been different. But I... But I do kind of like the idea that like I could have started with Goldschmidt. I, I had Tucker. Tucker Goldschmidt is like a pretty awesome beginning for homers and steals and batting average. So, um, yeah, I don't recommend uh, splurging on Diaz. I want one of those three. Um, for me, the older guys, Kenley Jansen and Rysel Iglesias, um, they are in my second tier. So I had a I'm, it's a little bit not lining up correctly because I had a six person first tier and uh, you know, those young guys are in it. And then my next tier has some of the old guys in it. So that has uh Kenley Jansen and Russell Iglesias in it. I think they're okay. Didn't you don't, wouldn't you be just a little bit worried to make either of them your number one closer? Yeah. It's not unlike what we talk about when we're looking at starting pitching and how we put our rosters together. If, if either one of the older guys is my closer one, I'm probably getting a closer two earlier as more of a priority. I'm more worried about it because job loss, skills loss, potential. But it only gets worse as you go down. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's a quick grab. I mean, I think it's really some combination of the old guys with whoever you like in ADP tier three. I I think it's Clay Holmes. I think of the the next group, Camilo Doval. I'm only worried that the Giants are going to mix and match a little bit more because they've got Taylor Rogers there now too. So they could use Doval possibly for four or five, six outs at a time on a more regular basis, play the matchups the way they, they always have. And in the back of your mind, because of the Jake McGee season from a couple of years ago, you're always looking at the Giants bullpen and wondering, hmm, what if? What if there's an older guy that they trust just as much for those situations? Yeah, Doval was also slow. Uh, pitch clock has some pitch clock things going on. 116 fastball stuff plus is not a standout. It's good, but it's not standout despite its velo. Um, I, I think Doval's okay here. Uh, Clay Holmes also has some warts. I mean, it, it, it's harder for me to go to bat for anybody in this next tier um, necessarily because Holmes, uh, 118's fastball stuff plus. So it's actually one of the best sinkers in the game, and, and it is. But he had a weird approach against lefties. He he like wouldn't throw his slider against lefties for a long time. Mm. Let me see if I can get this up. But he, he, like and, and you remember the season like he was lights out to begin the season. 
and then uh and then was not as lights out late in the season and there were didn't even have some like willie peralta saves and um uh let me see that would have been that was wandy if, if it was if it wandy, was sorry yeah, wandy, it was wandy. Peralta. uh so at the beginning of the season like in in the first month of the season he threw 55 percent so that's that's march so it might be two games but let, let's say april april he threw 19 percent sliders to left-handers that went from 19% to 9% to 8% to 5% to 4%. In September, he brought it back out again. Uh, but in October, he, he threw it 6%. So uh, he became a one-pitch pitcher against lefties. And that one pitch was a sinker, which is not normally what you would expect a right-hander to do. Right, righty sinkers have, revert, like have, have platoon splits. Like Righties don't usually throw sinkers to, to lefties. You usually throw four seamers up in it. So he's a two pitch guy, dude. With not great command. Yeah, that that's the surprising thing to me looking at the, the pitching model is that the command for Holmes is worse than I would have expected. Yeah. I figured that part of part of the low K rate is that he's in the zone and trying to get sinkers and ground balls and like that's that's that all sort of makes sense. But I also thought he was commanding it better than the model thinks he's commanding it. So there is more risk there than you might think. By K minus BB percentage, which is a great way to just kind of look at general skills, David Bednar is the guy that stands out of these next few. And I could see the it's case not for quite him. by stuff plus, but uh, he does have better command than anybody else in this tier. Yeah, I think he could find his way into the top 10 closers by value by end of the season, too. So he's the other guy that I'm, I'm eyeing up of this trio. Best fastball stuff plus in this tier. That helps. Is that surprising? I would have guessed Duvall for sure. Because he throws yeah. so hard. Better than Duvall. Also, some emerging pitches uh, for Bednar. He started throwing the changeup more. So his uh, curveball only has a 101 stuff plus. Uh, but the split sinker has a 104. So he's actually uh, kind of a fastball guy. <laughs> Mm. Really great fastball, kind of searching for the right secondary. Um, but if he does find uh, like a 120 stuff plus secondary, then I do think he will zoom up these rankings. Yeah, and the group we're looking at right now goes between pick 100 and pick 150 in most drafts. So it's Duvall, it's Holmes, Scott Barlow, who's kind of falling as a result of Ralts Chapman sounding with the Royals, Bednar's in this group. Daniel Bard, who put together a very good season for the Rockies, Alexis Diaz, and Joan Duran, who I'd, I'm not really sure what the Twins' plans for him are exactly, but I also, yeah. if he's a reliever, I think last year's usage and the addition of Jorge Lopez gives us an idea of how the roles might actually fit together, and I'm not, not quite sure what to do with him in this range. Lopez got the early saves, Duran got the late saves. Yeah. They only had like four saves after the, the after the trade deadline. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> um, but I think uh, I think Duran is safe because if he does start, he is going to be great. I think, and then if he, although maybe low innings, and if he does relieve, he's probably a closer. Uh, it's a little bit of a volatile pick though, because if you pick him four saves. You could be happy you got a good starter and still not have saves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so my favorite out of this tier are Bednar, 
Um, and I think Alexis Diaz, uh, the model took a while to catch up to him because he has very, he has a unique fastball. It's basically Edwin Diaz's fastball without horizontal movement. <laughs> it's a very strange fastball, that good? but <laughs> at first the model said no, <laughs> but, uh, when we started training it on some 2022 data and started uh, fooling around with it, he now has a 112 stuff plus about the same as David Bednar, um, and, uh, you know, I think one of the more just stable uh, spots in this tier. I do have a player that I like a lot that's not in this tier. Mm, but we're getting there. That I have in this tier. is what I, You know what I mean? Sure. So the who, next tier. So I think I know who it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess before I yeah. pop him up on the screen. I'm going to guess that Pete Fairbanks is someone that you're moving up. Oh, he was actually in my two tier. He's in. He's in your tier too. Yeah. Okay. He's. So, he's so my really, twelfth. I have him number twelve. So you really like Pete Fairbanks? I think a lot of yeah. people like him. So I think there's going to be have some him movement. higher. Except the injury history is just raucous. <laughs> just, it's bad. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the wrong like, kind of amazing. Have you have Jason had him close? <laughs> you know, if you're doing a, you know, I I know that people don't love to do handcuffs and draft and hold, but I think a Fairbanks Adam uh, 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 handcuff is is pretty pretty good. Might be worth it. You know, you might actually get one elite closer out of that because they're both really good by the model. I think they're very clearly the best relievers in that rotation in that bullpen. And Jason Adam has slightly better health outcomes, and Fairbanks has better stuff. So when Fairbanks is healthy, I think he's the closer. When Adams, when he's not, Adams is the closer. You could you could do something there. Or Adam gets at least the largest share if they go committee. If Fairbanks. I also is have Paul Sewald in the second tier. The only thing he's basically the bottom of the second tier. And what I have, uh, the reason I have for them being there is the model loves them, the projections love them, everything is great about them. Except Paul Seawald is behind schedule and still dealing with some stuff. And uh, we're going to get more information in spring. So I don't love drafting someone who's currently injured. Yeah. Well, and Andres Munoz had foot surgery in the fall. So that's a question in the Seattle bullpen right now. He may not make opening day. And people are taking him in this tier as if he was the closer. Like they're taking him ahead of Paul Seawald. Not me. Yeah, this is a it's a pretty strange group because you're looking at some guys that could be in committees. You're looking at guys that have terrible health concerns like Fairbanks, and of course, you know we no one knows the timetable. Liam Hendricks is on the screen right now. I, no one knows what to do. He's been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. We don't we don't know what the timetable is. We just hope he's healthy and comes back at some point. Year. Yeah, it, those things are like it's like a six month course of chemo and stuff. It's not he's not, right. Yeah, I don't think. So, I mean, we don't know, we just don't know. So there's not much to say on, on that. The two guys that were in this group before that we kind of flew by, though, if you don't think Aroldis Chapman's good anymore, a discount on Scott Barlow is kind of interesting if you like Scott Barlow at all. And then Daniel Bard, like, they gave him closer money in Colorado and he just did it over a full season. I realized the, the ballpark is really, really hard. To deal Fastball with. stuff plus for Scott Barlow, 95.5. There's, uh, there's a good reason to stay second, away. Second worst in my top 30 close. I did. I only did one closer per team ranking. Mm -hmm. 
just just I was trying to do like first chair rankings and then I'll have some sleepers after. I don't I don't like it when I'm like, do I do I is the second best option in some place better than the first place option somewhere else? Maybe, but I'd rather just rank the first place options and you can make your own decisions, you know? Uh plus I wanted to have tiers and I I'm not gonna put a setup guy in a tier. Anyway. Um uh where was I going with that? Oh, 95-5 for Scott Barlow is the second worst. Uh Dylan Floro is the worst fastball in here, and Daniel Bard is the second worst. So it goes by worst fastball stuff plus among relievers, among closers. It's although Kyle Finnegan has an NA. Why is that? Did he throw a sinker or something? Anyway, um <laughs> uh I've got uh, Dylan Floro, uh Dylan Floro, Daniel Bard, Scott Barlow, Alex Lang. Those are the worst fastballs among closers. So okay. that was good enough for me to throw them in the bottom. Fair enough. So just wanted to get them out there so we didn't fly by without really mentioning what the situation is with them. Uh, if we get good news on Munoz at some point during spring training, what do you do as far as projecting a little the bit saves. of dueling health news i think i think whoever you know has that first chair to begin the season is going to get the most saves they're probably both going to get 15 <laughs> i don't know how much more they they're going to get than like that. that might be something like that you know i don't know if someone else is if one of them is going to get 30 and everyone's going to get 15 or if it's 15 for each of them and some saves go to other guys in that bullpen that's i do want to point out though that muñoz's fastball shape is not the most amazing it's a little bit of a boring shape I and mean, people would like to see that velo and think oh this guy's got great stuff his fastball stuff plus is 115 it is not anything like felix bautista's 140 so we've seen andres muñoz have a hittable fastball people have turned around his triple digits people have hit homers off his triple digits and uh we've seen him go to like a 50 50 mix with the slider you know his slider is actually a better pitch than his than his fastball so, um, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's not only the gun. I could see them doing Seawalt. I could see them using Munoz as a, as a seventh, eighth inning, you know, put out the flames kind of guy and, uh, Seawalt as the clean up the clean him up at the end guy. Well, the winner in this range, if he's still available though, Pete Fairbanks, that's the player you would definitely want if you're still getting him anywhere in that 160 to 200 range. I think there's a chance he's going to keep creeping up, though, because I know you like him, you know. I know a few other folks out there like him. Word gets around. Players tend to start moving up around this time of year. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's just take a look at the unsettled situations and some of the favorites for saves there. Basically, any team that doesn't have a clear and obvious closer going within the top 200 picks. 
just just to give you a, a sort of view in, I have these I have three tiers of about six. So 18 pitchers, right? And each of them are the tiers are enabled like studs, could be studs, uh, probably have the job. Those are the three tiers. I have. And the last tier is called will they even make opening day? <laughs> will they even make opening day? And that tier is 12 pitchers deep. Yeah. I do have Daniel Bard in here. Maybe that's unfair, but I have Scott, Scott Barlow in here, Kyle Finnegan, uh, Carlos Estevez, uh, you know, Dylan Floro, Alex Lang. Like these are our guesses at first chairs right now. And we don't even have, we don't even have even that, that spring information where they ask the manager, who's your closer. We don't even have that yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a mess. So I have 11 teams that I flagged as um, unsettled situations without a top 200 reliever, at least for now. One of the surprising ones is Texas. All the money the Rangers are spending right now, and we don't really know what their late-inning plans are. I think by ADP, the market seems to think it's Jose Leclerc. Yeah, Leclerc. Is that accurate by model and by skills? Is that the guy you would throw the dart on? It is not, but the model disagrees with projections pretty mightily for who the winner is. Uh, the model says it's Joe Barlow. <laughs> and Joe Barlow did not have a great strikeout rate last year um, and is projected for a 4.45 ERA with an 8.4 K9. However, he has a 119 stuff plus, a 131 fastball stuff plus, and... I happen to know there are people uh, in that organization that are proponents of Stuff Plus, so it's not impossible that he is closer to that job than it seems from the outside. Jose Leclerc has a 104.9 Stuff Plus, a 104 Fastball Stuff Plus, and the second, the third worst command among closers. The worst command among closers belongs to Alex Lang and Josh Hader and Jose Leclerc. Those are the three worst closes by command. And I think, I don't know about Lang so much, but Hader and Leclerc, yes. I would have guessed those, actually. I might have guessed those. <laughs> we should have done a guess there. Uh, Barlow, I think I could see that one coming. I spend enough time <laughs> looking at those numbers to, yeah. to have that so one. So I've got Barlow in my interesting guys. I do have Leclerc as the first chair. But I do have uh, I do have Barlow in my interesting guys below, so I don't think I'll have a lot of Leclerc shares. I might be moving Bard out of uh, this tier. I think I'll put him in the in the last. Probably have a job. Tier. Yeah, no, I think he's probably got a job. It's just are the ratios going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year? Projections say absolutely not. Really. not. I think there's yeah. probably no bigger gap between a relievers. 2022 ERA and WHIP and his 2023 ERA and WHIP projections than what we see on Daniel Bard right now. Projections are not buying it. Alexis Diaz has a fairly similar situation though by projections, but yeah. my model likes Alexis Diaz a little bit more. It is fair to say the course will screw with my model <laughs> because it changes the movement on pitches. So that's that's something I want to bring up with Carlos Estevez. Carlos Estevez has a one three nine stuff plus. That doesn't look very good. Um, and yet he will get more movement in Anaheim than he did in Colorado. That number should go up. And so there is, you know, there are some backers for um, the guy, Jimmy 
Hergit. Yeah, I don't think it's him. I, I think it's I think it's Carlos Estevez. He does have a 106.8 stuff plus, which is a little bit surprising, but he doesn't have great command. Uh, has a bad fastball. It's not a good fastball for Hergit. And Estevez has a better fastball, even with the course factor. So I think it is Estevez. I saw this um, when we were doing some work for the 3-0 show. The Angels have the worst projected bullpen by war in the league. Not surprising. They don't seem to be a team that has the skill presently, or at least in the recent past, of of turning over relievers that end up being Finding very good. Ones. Doesn't yeah. seem like a thing they do well. So, I don't know. I look at Estevez as a guy getting out of Colorado. I think he has the best skills right now. They'd be a good candidate if Ken Giles has anything left in the tank. I think he's throwing for teams soon if he hasn't done so already. He'd be a guy that they could sign, and he'd immediately go to the front of the line and be a closer there. And there's probably a half dozen teams that we're going to talk about today where a reasonably healthy Ken Giles is their best option for the ninth inning. So he's one of those guys that's a little bit forgotten about at the moment, and I'm really curious to know how well he's throwing. I just, I, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Maybe I should put some of these guys in my interesting uh, uh, players tier. Michael Fulmer is still a free agent. Yeah, is he better than some of these guys? We'll, we'll, he could actually close. Trevor Rosenthal, if he's throwing hundreds up there, he did get $4 million last year, so somebody he wowed somebody in a pitching uh, in a pitching capacity. <laughs> Who's older, Trevor Rosenthal or me? Um, you. I mean, it's, it's me by a, a decent margin, but... Okay, yeah, he's 32. He's only 32. It feels, his arm, his arm is probably like older been, than mine. His yeah, arm is probably 42 yeah. because he's been through so much, which you know is terrible. It sucks for him, but... Uh, in I my wonder mind, what Corey Knebel is doing, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Giles. So those are so those are some interesting names that could hop into a good situation somewhere. But weird to me, the Dodgers don't have it completely spelled out right now. They made that trade last year for Craig Kimbrell. I have Evan Phillips in the third tier. I have him out of this tier. Phillips is very interesting. I think I even had him on some draft and hold teams a year ago when things were unsettled before they made that trade. Probably on the Kimbrell. basis of the model. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it was. He like, was just a guy who had great stuff. Plus, it was a reliever. <laughs> this is a good team that doesn't have a clear-cut closer. Where even if they find oh, one, on that guy raise. could get hurt, and then who comes in? No, it was, when it was he Phillips. was on the Rays. No, it was, it was Dodgers. Oh, when he was on the Dodgers, okay. Yeah, so Evan Phillips, our clear favorite for the Dodgers at this point. I I, I have him. Yeah, it's not a great fastball, so it's I can't push him. The model loves his stuff. Plus, but it's a lot like an elite slider situation. Uh, but it, you know, a 112, 113 stuff, a fastball stuff plus at where you get him in the draft. Also, uh, against Bruzdar Gratterall, yes, um, you know, uh, it's possible that the model is missing something. It gives his uh, awesome uh, two seam uh, fastball a 119 stuff plus. That actually seems okay for me. Do you think it should be a 140? Like, is that a, like a, the best sinker in the game? Possibly. However, it doesn't miss bats. And I think, you know, that's pretty obvious when you just look at his regular results. And I think teams would rather their closer miss bats. I think Gratterall is a great player to have to bring on when there are people on base in the eighth and the seventh. I mean, I think that's what that's his best use case. So I think Gratterall is your fireman uh, and Phillips is your closer. And I, I, I suspect he'll move up a little bit over time because I have him next to Holmes as like an emerging guy on a great team, uh, you know, that has a maybe a, a one or two question marks. But, uh, you know, I, I like those guys. And in fact, in that tier, if I wanted to get one last good closer, Holmes, Phillips, Bednar, 
uh, you know, against ADP, I could have waited. I could have gotten those guys, and I could feel okay about them being my my second closer before I go into the the grab bag. <laughs> like I just think they are there. Evan Phillips is clear of the grab bag. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe that's what Evan, I should call this tier: the grab bag. <laughs> uh, keep workshopping that. The okay. <laughs> the Nationals, it looks like Kyle Finnegan is the guy to start the season. Hunter Harvey is interesting. You and I have talked about him before. And I like Hunter Harvey's skills, horrible health track record, unfortunately, for him. So that might be the one thing that really holds him back from being a, a really effective full-time closer. But we're also at the point with Hunter Harvey, age-wise, you've said this about, I think, Clark Schmidt. It's like you have to just push him eventually. You can't. You can't just not pitch at a certain age. He's Hunter Harvey's 28 years old now. How many workload restrictions can you put on a 28-year-old? It's kind of now or never if he's going to be a full-time, really good big league and reliever. He may, and he may even be on board with that. Be like, come on. like, I, Let's go. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> 39 in the third innings last year, easily you know the best prolonged run he's also, had as a big leaguer. A, he was good. You had a great point because we were discussing, like, well, can he do back-to-backs? And you were like... Will they have back-to-back save opportunities? Are they going to win back-to-back <laughs> games more than three times in D.C. this year? The answer is probably so, no. So, yeah, I have Hunter Harvey on my interesting players uh, list because I think that Finnegan is a, is a soft draft. Um, it gets really bad behind him, though, so I don't know. Uh, I guess I have, I, I'm have. i moving Estevez ahead of Finnegan. Um I guess I have Leclerc ahead of Finnegan. I don't really like this tier. I think sometimes I may just peace out on this whole tier and just take interesting guys that the model likes. Um, I do have uh, an interesting first chair guy in this group that I like that I might like ahead of Finnegan that other people do not have in the first chair. Mm. Who's that? Reynaldo Lopez. Oh, okay. So yeah, the... Unfortunately, we didn't find a replacement for Liam Hendricks for the White Sox. So you think Ronaldo Lopez could uh, pass Kendall Graveman and, and take that? Yeah, he has better model numbers uh, than Kendall Graveman. Um, and, uh, you know, Graveman uh, has that sinker type thing where I think it, Graveman is a great uh, Bruce Dog Gratterall type. And I think Ronaldo Lopez is going to miss more bats. And I think telling him now. Uh, to be the closer might do some nice things for his velo, and also constricting his arsenal so that he's not throwing pitches he can't command has been very good for him. So he's already kind of had one foot in the reliever bin, and if you, it's a lot easier to sell this sort of transition to someone if you say be our closer. It's a little bit harder when you're like, oh, you know, be ready when every, every day. However, you know, however you can help the team, you're like, oh man, really. Can you just give me a starting position, starting role? And they're like, no, I don't know. I don't know. Come to spring. We'll figure it out. You know, no, I think it'd be better to be like, hey, man, we really love you. We need you to be our closer. This is a big moment. Can you step step up? And I don't know. I think that could happen. I don't see enough in the Graveman profile that I need to jump on. I think I like Evan Phillips more. I think you like Evan Phillips more. But I, I can yeah. see the case for Lopez ahead of Barlow and Finnegan, especially Estevez. Almost depends on whether or not they make another late addition as far as whether I would take him over Lopez at that point. A 23% strikeout rate, just to use more normal numbers. Yeah. A 23% strikeout rate for Kendall Graveman is below average for a reliever. Yeah, that is uh, that is low. 
for a top shelf closer. You look more like that five, 54% ground ball rate and you say, okay, you're a guy who can clean up something, a problem on the bases. So I, I have Lopez ahead of Finnegan. Uh, the bottom, the bottom for me is Barlow, Scott Barlow, Dylan Floro, Alex Lang, Rowan Wick, and Kevin Ginkle. Mm. I don't even know if those are the closers right now. <laughs> yeah. So in that group, you know, you mentioned Ginkle. Ginkle's in Arizona. I actually think Scott McGuff, who they brought back over from Japan, I think is the sneaky favorite for me. We had a listener suggestion. Uh, Will, who listens, uh, listener Will, said Austin Adams perhaps deserves a look. There's a 1038 stuff plus there. Austin Adams with that 1038 stuff plus has the best stuff plus in the bullpen. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. It's because Scott luck. McGuff pitched in Japan last year. That's right. We don't know Scott McGuff's plus stuff plus. Uh, there are also um, some youngsters we should mention. Yeah, they are on the depth charts at in Arizona on Fangraphs, and they're not very well known. This is more of a sort of deep draft and hold situation. But Justin, who's the Justin? Justin Martinez. Justin. Justin Martinez. Yes, he was throwing one hundos up. Uh, he was pumping one hundos, as as my friend Sam likes to say, uh, in the AFL. He uh, also had, uh, whew, that's a lot of walks. He had a lot of walks last year. So that's pretty, uh, that's going to be an interesting one if he does. And Austin Adams has the record for hitting people, right? He's got the hit better record. <laughs> yes. He, has a, he had like, he did something crazy where he like hit five guys in like a week. <laughs> I don't know what it is exactly. What is it? I mean, I should be more precise, you know, get it right. Austin Adams H by HBP record. Yes. Do you mean he did the thing where he hit the batter and it deflected and hit the umpire? Then after it hit the umpire, <laughs> it went down and hit the catcher too. I've seen those. Okay, here it is. Austin Adams record. How many batters could a relief pitcher who's thrown forty nine innings this season possibly hit? If your if your answer before reading this article is any number than twenty four, you'd be wrong. It is right. Twenty four. Austin Adams hit 24 batters in 49 innings. <laughs> no, not a closer. Sorry. Not not going to happen. <laughs> oh, I love you. I, I I've talked to Austin Adams. There's like a non-zero chance he could be listening. I love you Austin, man. Get to figure it figure out a little bit. I think it's just a lot of sliders and some of them go. And in fact, um that is I think a, a weird thing that sometimes teams don't uh trust uh Sometimes teams don't trust uh, guys who throw like 50, 60% sliders. I, I think of it as the... The uh, Matt Whistler thing. Yeah, yeah, but also uh, Luke Gregerson. He was... Uh, he was. I, I always thought, oh, he's going to be the closer in San Diego. He's going to be the closer. And they never gave him the closer role. And it was partially because slightly inflated home run rates on, I guess, hanging sliders. I think... And I asked... Um, I asked Rigetti, uh, the, the pitching coach for the Giants, about Sergio Romo. And I said, why does it seem like... Uh, you know, Romo gives up homers, you know, his slider's so good, like nobody can hit it. And he goes, you throw that many sliders, you're going to hang some. And I don't know if a hanging slider is easier to hit than a misplaced fastball, but it might be. It's not good. It's not coming in at 99. You know, a misplaced fastball, you know, middle, middle at 100 actually doesn't get hit that hard. But a misplaced, you know, 82 mile an hour slider that's middle, middle, maybe that gets hit pretty hard. So, um, 
uh, I think that's a little bit relevant for Austin Adams too. So uh, that's why another reason I have fastball stuff plus in there. I mean, uh, Dylan Floro, 83, that maybe that's the four seam. Hold on. Maybe I'm not being fair to Floro because he's the sinker, right? Dylan Floro sinker 111. Okay, that's not quite fair to him. He has a 111 sinker stuff plus. Okay, maybe I'll move him up. I mean, Tanner Scott has the worst command maybe among relievers. <laughs> yeah, that's not good because there's plenty of relievers with bad command. I, the Dylan Floro problem for me has always just been the lower strikeout rate. I mean, 21.2% for his career, 21.8% last year. The ratios aren't bad. He's a clear-cut third or fourth closer option. Basically, you you think you you have one for sure, and you're just chasing to get that second one. Just you're throwing clear. three darts to do it. I've I've pulled him out of that like almost do not draft list. <laughs> like I think Finnegan, Barlow, Lang, Wick, and Ginkle like for me is almost a do not draft list. Like why why draft them when you could draft uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez or Jason Adam? Or Tanner Scott. Especially especially when some of those teams might share the job by design. And yeah. others might just have enough turnover where you end up with the right pitcher at the right time. Like, the skills are good. I and mean, the thing about Philly, making those additions, trading for Gregory Soto, adding Craig Kimbrell, having Dominguez pitching well. I don't know if I really want one of those guys because they're, they're priced kind of in a weird way. I guess if I were taking one, it might be Kimbrell. Even though I, I like Dominguez, but I think part of the we have Kimbrel is we have this guy that's I think going to the Hall of Fame as a closer. Let's see what he can do first. I think he at least gets the first chance of being the guy. How patient they are with him? My my yeah. My problem is that he there are very good relievers on that same roster. Like I really like Sir Anthony Dominguez, and he does not have the uh, command problems. This is an interesting thing. Craig Kimbrell's fastball stuff plus is down to 106. So despite the fact that his stuff plus is decent overall, it's been more propped up by a slider. And so I think, you know, you have a guy with iffy fastball command with an iffy fastball that's much more reliant on his slider every day. So I I, I have Kimbrell right now as the top of this bottom tier, but I'm actually going to change that and I'm going to put Trevor May at the top of the last tier. I think it's there. There's, there's not that much stuff in that uh, bullpen. He's clearly got the best stuff. I, in fact, think that he can improve his stuff plus a little bit by throwing a split finger more, which uh, he sort of talked to me about how the split finger had impacted his elbow health last year. And I think a full season of off season of training to throw the split finger, right. um, And to throw it in a healthy manner. Uh, will allow him to be a true three-pitch guy with a 114 fastball stuff plus in a great uh, in a great uh, park that may the only risk may be that he gets traded at the deadline. Yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility. And he'd be the kind of guy that, as much as we like him, he would probably end up not closing for a team that is contending right now. He'd be their second or third be, best reliever, be, or fourth yeah, best reliever. Yeah, he'd be just be he'd be added to like a super team. You know, he'd be Dodgers. Mets, you know, Yankees, whatever, just in addition, you know, be tough to unseat. If the current state of the Dodgers, he could actually be going to be the closer there, too, if he's closing true, really well in Oakland. But the Cubs, that's another team we haven't really got to yet. Albert Alzale, 
Is it Brandon Hughes? We've mentioned, I think, Jeremiah Estrada as a deep sleeper on the show before. Who do you think emerges to get most of the saves for the Cubs over the course of the season? I just put Rowan Wick in uh, because a lot of places have him as the uh, the first chair. Um, the model's okay on him. The fastball stuff plus 113, overall stuff plus 107. Suggests he doesn't really have a great secondary. Um, but, uh, you know, the command is above average. Uh, I think they'll probably go with a, with a boring veteran to start the year. Um, but, uh, my heart, uh, beats faster when I look at Jeremy, Jeremiah Estrada's numbers. Um, he, uh, he was a really excellent late season debut. Um, and I'm just trying to get a, a sense of what his, uh, vertical rank his vertical movement was because it was about the vertical movement on his fastball just a real fast uh a fastball with great vertical movement um four inches more ride than the average fastball and he did that at 97 so really really nice arsenal from jeremiah estrada uh you know as much as the model has always liked uh julian merriweather there's something uh, that hasn't turned into results, and then there's the uh, the the real bad because um, uh, he you know he has a 21.8% strikeout rate in 52 innings in the big leagues, uh, Merriweather. So he hasn't necessarily turned it into results, and I wonder if to some extent that uh, big changeup he has, if there's uh, something he's telegraphing about it. If you can then, if you can sit on that changeup, it's kind of a big changeup that I don't think he commands that well. If you can sit, you can spit on that changeup. Maybe it's easy to uh, to hit the fastball. One more name before we go, and again, we'll have more reliever conversations in the future. You've mentioned Alex Lang on a few occasions, and he comes up as a doesn't do this well on multiple lists, multiple things you're looking at. Is there anyone in Detroit that you like as a deep sleeper for saves? Probably more for AL only leagues and draft and hold as opposed to someone you're going to be picking up in mixed leagues, at least in on draft day. Maybe you end up using Fab on this player later. I moved Alex Lang ahead of uh, Finnegan, Barlow, and Ginkle uh, because I just don't see an alternative. Um, Okay, that's okay if that's the because I think the Tigers and the Marlins might both be teams that have someone in their starter depth chart that ends up getting bumped into the bullpen, and that person could just end up being the closer. That's possible for both of those teams. That's true. Hard to pull that string ahead of time though, because a team like the Tigers will probably would rather probably just struggle through this season with a bad closer than give up on a starting pitcher just yet. You know what I mean? It just depends. It's got to be someone a little older or just, it's got to be just the right situation. Unless they're surprisingly good. If they're surprisingly good, then they might, they might more likely do it. Or maybe Spencer Turnbull comes back and he just doesn't have the innings. So they just use him out of the bullpen, you know, in his first season back. I don't know. There's Michael Lorenzen is also someone who's been a starter and been in the bullpen. So um, there is some kind of, uh, up down possibility, but nobody in that bullpen pops by the model. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not pretty. Still, a lot of work to be done for that new front office in Detroit. But 
We are going to say goodbye as we wrap up Pitcher Week. As we mentioned all week, if you got questions for a future episode, you can send those our way. For now, rates in barrels at theathletic.com is the correct email address. Keep your ears peeled for some <laughs> news on the change to the email in the very near future. But for now, that's the easiest way to reach us on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. You can so you can get a subscription, two dollars a month at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. So great time to get in if you don't have a subscription. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We're back with you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.